When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Insight Cricket. I'm very jealous, actually, of Simon Mann. He's in one of my favourite places in the world, which is, I know Mount Monganui isn't officially the Coromandel Peninsula in New Zealand, but it's very close to it. And I just think the Coromandel, and that, that sort of area of New Zealand, which is quite sleepy and it's stunningly beautiful, and just, it's got so much going for it, actually. Uh, the light, the air, the quality, the, the people... You know, it's just wonderful. Anyway, so this is a, a bit of a kind of bucolic introduction to the return of Test cricket, both to England and New Zealand, and also, of course, Australia playing Pakistan as well at the same time. That'll be an interesting series. So we'll look ahead to both of those. Have I, Simon, portrayed the ambience of Mount Monganui correctly there? You have yours. It's it's lovely. Although when you drive into it, it's a bit like Avonmouth, um, the the port side of, of Bristol. Um, but it gets better and better as you get into Mount Monganui. Uh, there's there's the mount. I mean, it's a mount really, but you could almost call it Hill Monganui. It takes about half an hour to get up it. It's not that big, but it does sort of tower over. The, the, the spit which Mount Monganui is, is placed on and you walk to the beach not far away from the cricket ground which is staging its, its first ever test match and there are people surfing. You know, it is, it is a holiday resort and the, the weather forecast is good and so we're all set fair for the return of test match cricket. I think everyone's excited. Yeah, and it's exciting for, for England as well. Uh, they're rebuilding their team, obviously, trying to find the right formula. Great day for Whitgift School with the the opportunity for Rory Burns to open the batting with Dominic Sibley, former schoolmates, former Surrey mates as well, although Sibley obviously now plays for Warwickshire. Uh, how, how do you see that? I mean, Sibley's shaped up pretty well, hasn't he? Well, he scored 100 in the first warm-up game and then in the second warm-up game he was reaching for one and he was caught in the gully it wasn't a great shot actually he's not been officially confirmed as Burns's opening partner but it would need something fairly dramatic for that to change in the next 
few hours or so before England finalised their side. They could have played uh, Zach Crawley, but I think the feeling is that Crawley's just behind Sibley in the pecking order and Sibley deserves his opportunity. Weight of runs. He scored so many runs for Warwickshire. You mentioned his Surrey connections. Of course, he left Surrey to get a chance at, at Warwickshire and, he, and he's really taken it. 24 years of age. And they did go to the same school, but they, they weren't um, contemporaries of each other. They weren't in the same class or anything like that because Burns is a few years older, but they did play together at Surrey and Burns used to give Sibley a, you know, a lift to second team games and that sort of thing. So There's quite a strong Surrey contingent in this England side of course with Pope returning to the side as well in at number six that's what we're expecting and we're also expecting Sam Curran to play as well he did play in the last test match but so did Chris Wokes. So you remember that Ben Stokes didn't bowl so they had to tamper with their side a little bit they had to sort of mix and match a little bit so one of Curran or Wokes will play and we are assuming that it is going to be Curran England just looking for something a bit different a left armour rather than Chris Wokes the right armour and of course Wokes' record overseas is not that good so it, it looks as if they're going to go with Curran and that's the way of it four Surrey players or you know three Surrey players and one former Surrey player in the England lineup, what do they say? When Yorkshire are strong, England are strong. Well, perhaps when Surrey are strong, England are strong as well. Well, there must be something going on uh, at Whitgift School regarding batting because also they produced Jason Roy as well, uh, although he obviously came mm. via South Africa. So they're doing something right at uh, Whitgift to inject. But I suppose you'd say is the concentration ability more than anything. Uh, and it's something that I remember talking to Alistair Cook about, you know, how do you concentrate? Michael Atherton, another one. And you tend to be born with that ability to just be able to shut out all the extraneous stuff and, and focus on the ball and then switch off again and then be able to switch on again for a long time, for long periods. It's, it's interesting. I mean, Michael Atherton uh, obviously is the, is the sort of defining example of that before Cook came along. And... I've often observed him writing his article in the the media centre, and it's sort of manic in the media centre quite often, or maybe in a commentary box in, in, near the media centre. And how you concentrate is 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 very much uh, an individual thing. I've always struggled whenever I'm trying to write in in, in, in the chaos of a media centre. Atherton, you can just see him completely focused on his article, and nothing disturbs him. you. You 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 sort of even if you wave at him or try and sort of introduce him into conversation, you know, he's just totally blinkered finishing his article. And he used that clearly when he was batting. So did Alistair Cook. Dominic Sibley seems to have that same ability. And, you know, in his third first-class game, he made 240, which is phenomenal. Uh, That was for Surrey. So... This is the thing that England have been seeking, and I, I guess I guess it comes naturally to him. Well, that's how he's going to try and play it. He's just trying to he's going to try to bat long. Uh, that that's the way he's done it for Warwickshire. He's not scored particularly quickly. There will be a tremendous focus on him. Alistair Cook in his newspaper article, his Sunday Times article at the weekend. So you know there'll, there'll be greater scrutiny on him for two reasons. One is because there just is whenever you get elevated and play for England you get to play test match cricket and two because England have had so many problems at the top of the order can they actually find someone at last 
who can cement their place at the top of the order. And it's not going to be easy for Dominic Sibley as well because he knows that New Zealand have got a very good attack. There's Trent Bolt, there's Tim Southie, there's Neil Wagner and there's Lockie Ferguson waiting to make his international debut. So he knows it's not going to be easy for him. I mean, obviously they've got a great attack, haven't they? Obviously Bolt, Saudi, um, and then obviously Wagner's been really good for them as well. Um, so yeah, they've got you know that that seam attack's brilliant, and you know, you know it looks green the wickets. So it's obviously going to be the start of the innings in favour of them, and so it's for us to sort of try and manage that and uh, and get through those difficult periods. If I do play, I'll try and do exactly the same as what I've done this season in county cricket. I'll try and um, you know get through the new ball, soak up as many balls as I can, and score big hundreds. So if I can do um, if I can do that, then you know that would be you know, sort of a big strength of, uh, of mine and hopefully I can, yeah, that can sort of add value to the team as well. It's something that I've sort of had from a young age. I've batted long and, uh, you know, got big big hundreds and, um, yeah, it's been a strength of mine that once I've got in, I've really cashed in. So, yeah, like I said, hopefully if I do get in and if, if I do play and I do get through the new ball, I can, uh, I can do the same. Sibley sounds confident, uh, which is good. He doesn't sound too nervous. He sounds as if he knows his own game, which is very important. Play to your limitations, play to your your strengths, obviously. Uh, and, and Rory Burns will help him through that, uh, clearly. Uh, a, a sort of former familiar face, uh, someone who's also, in a way, uh, approaches the game in a, in a similar sort of fashion. I guess the kookaburra ball is interesting. You know, it doesn't do much. You have to try and get that swing in the first five or six overs after which you need to find other ways of taking wickets uh, clearly Jofra Archer hasn't been particularly impressed with it although he's still managed to take wickets in the, in the warm-up games but it's a funny experience actually when you come from being used to bowling with the Duke's ball with the, the, the proud seam and the shine that really stays on the ball for 70 overs and then suddenly you get hold of this kookaburra with basically a non-ex- non-existent seam. It's, like, it's a bit like bowling with an orange. You lose confidence, actually, with it just, just holding it in your hand, even as a bowler. I, I just got the sense from the warm-up match, the first-class match, that this is going to be a series in which bowlers are going to have to work really hard. I, I sense the pitches are going to be good for batting. Uh, Mount Monganui, the grounds were saying, you know, I don't want a, a two-day match in, in our first test match. You know, I think it's going to be made to last. And perhaps Hamilton as well. It's, it's going to be hard work. And actually, the last test match England played out here in Christchurch. OK, there was a bit of weather around. That was drawn as well. It was hard work to take wickets. Joff Archer talking about the, the pitch up at Fangarai where they played the... The, the warm-up game, the first-class match, saying you know it was it was one of the hardest pitches he's ever had to bowl on. I don't mean hard in terms of the rock solid. I mean it just difficult to get something out of it. And having said that, you know he, he took five for ninety-two in the match. He hit Hamish Rutherford on the head, and another batsman that had to retire you know, out of the game because of concussion. And he also scored some runs as well. But he was talking about the seam. You mentioned it there. He was talking about the seam. It's, it's almost non-existent. Uh, and and that, that's going to be the challenge for the bowlers. Can they take wickets on these on these pitches with the Kookaburra ball? And you, know, you also think about you know, England's options. I mentioned Sam Curran. There's Jack Leach as well. Leach's job in the warm-up game was to hold an end. And you know, that's going to be an important role for him in, 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 the, in the test match. But... Can he take wickets in the second innings? That's you know that's going to be a real challenge. I mean, New Zealand all round looked to have a 
a slightly stronger attack, although Archer, you know, he is the, the spearhead that England, you know, have been looking for, that they that is clearly, you know, could make a difference. And there's Stuart Broad as well, and Broad is going to be able to bowl to two left-handers at the top of the order in Raval and Latham, so, you know, he might be able to get early wickets. But that, that New Zealand attack is, is strong, it really is. Southie, 251 wickets at 29, Wagner, 174 wickets at 27, Ferguson has taken 153 wickets at 24. And then there's good old Trent Bolt, 63 test matches, 254 wickets at at 27. He's got a good record in New Zealand as well. So the challenge is going to be there for England from this very good New Zealand pace attack led by Trent Bolt. It's probably been one of the bigger challenges really uh, over the last uh, couple of New Zealand summers uh, with with the Kookaburra ball. It doesn't do too much, um, but yeah, I think we've got an attack that um, is, is equally well balanced, uh, very experienced, and and very clear on I suppose how they can can generate 20 wickets, uh, no matter if the ball is swinging or not swinging. So um, yeah, we know that's a big part of it. We need to get these guys out uh, to set up a result, and uh, we're looking forward to that challenge. You know, we've got a very good record at home. Uh, we've lost one Test match in the kind of last 15, and and that's probably a testament to the way the bowlers have stuck at it. Um, you know, the batters are doing their job and um, putting runs on the board, and we're, we're very clear with how we want to bowl guys out. But for New Zealand cricket to have uh, the stocks that we have, uh, it's exciting. We've got guys that can cover everything from, from 150k to guys that can swing the ball around in the air. So that's no, going to be great to watch. Yeah, we don't quite know what New Zealand are going to do in terms of their team makeup. They've actually picked a 15-man squad, and it's a squad for this series and for their three-match tour of Australia, their three-test tour of Australia, which follows as well, and India come after that. So it's a, it's a huge summer uh, for them, huge antipode in summer, England, Australia, and New Zealand. First up, England, you know, there's the challenge for them. Williamson is, is back in the side. He, he didn't play in the T20 series. He's had a hip injury. He's not made that many runs. He's not batted very much, actually, since the World Cup final. He's made 26 for Northern Districts against Canterbury. And he made 0-4 and 20 in the three test innings against Sri Lanka. But he's, he's such a class player. And he's in his home city as well. He's from... Taronga, he's you know one of the top batsmen in the world. So that you know that's going to be the challenge for you know the likes of uh, of Archer and Broad and and Curran and Stokes. We haven't mentioned Stokes, of course, yet. And 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 for Jack Leach to somehow dislodge Kane Williamson. Uh, Archer talking about you know Steve Smith was such a challenge in the summer. Well, he's got another one ahead in, in Kane Williamson. Yeah, and I think uh, Archer's uh, is the key to it again. Uh, and I, if New Zealand play Lockie Ferguson, I can see him being very important too. I think this is the point. When you have a Kookaburra ball, which only swings for 10 overs and then goes pretty soft, you need those uh, different sorts of bowlers who can ask a, a, an awkward question of a batsman, almost regardless of the state of the ball. And that means pace, and that means height, and that means aggression, hostility as well. Wagner's been able to do that, but hasn't got a great deal of pace. But Ferguson clearly has, and obviously Archer has. And Archer just comes from that high angle as well. So even if he's not bowling at 100%, he's still getting really awkward bounce. So I can see you know, both those bowlers, Ferguson and Archer, having an impact sort of in mid-innings to, to, to late innings, just because the Kookaburra ball is such a hard one to bowl with when it goes soft. What was interesting watching England in the first class game at, at Fangare, someone like Sam Curran bowling, they were, 
okay they were trying to be patient as well they talked about being patient in the field sometimes you just got to sit in in the field but also trying different things curry would bowl over the wicket he'd bowl round the wicket he'd bowl with two men back he'd bowl short he would bowl with a leg slip so you know they're, they're trying to be creative and that's going to be the challenge for them i think on these pitches out here it, is to find ways of, of taking wickets, and you know there were there were a couple of wickets that were sort of strangles down the leg side. So you sort of, you take your wickets any which way you can. There was a, a wicket that Archer took strangled down the leg side, and then a wicket that Curran took strangled down the leg side as well. So as far as the bowlers are concerned, and I suppose it's always the case, but out here anything gratefully received, however you can you can find a way of of dismissing a batsman. Yeah, that'll do. Thanks very much. Whereas in England, you know, you're thinking about off stump, aren't you? You're thinking you're getting batsmen to, to nick off, you're getting one to come back and trap them LBW, that, that sort of thing. But here, I mean, and, and Wagner's very good at it. That's the other thing as well. You know, Neil Wagner, we, we, we saw him the, in the last Test Series out here, banging the ball into the pitch uh, and, and relentlessly as well. He just he seemed to have that tremendous energy to just keep on doing it, to try to, to ruffle the batsmen. So yeah, New Zealand have got quite a lot of options you know with the, with the pace of Ferguson the guile of Bolt Wagner's sort of muscle and, and, and know-how and, and Southie if, if he can get the ball to swing it's just a question for them of trying to fit everyone in uh, do they play a spinner that's that's one of their issues if they play all four of their main bowlers and then to Grandhome as well that's five seamers uh, is that the right way to go or do they want a spinner they've got a sort of defensive spinner in Santa in their squad and then they've got the experienced leg spinner in, in Todd Astle so it, it's not easy for them to sort of get the right uh, balance it may be they only play three plus the Grandhome plus a spinner which uh, England might be grateful of Well, of course, this series doesn't count in the World Test Championship for some bizarre reason. This is a two-test series in New Zealand. The two-test series in Australia is counting in the World Test Championship, and that, of course, is Australia against Pakistan. And Australia going through a a bit of a kind of uh, evolution as well, especially in their batting, trying to find the right combination at the top of the order. David Warner has had a fantastic white ball renaissance uh, six t20 matches against sri lanka and pakistan in which he was only dismissed once and made close on 300 runs uh, he looks back at home certainly against the white ball in australian conditions uh, but he's now going to have to be confronted with some decent pakistan seam bowlers and the uh, opening partner could well be Cameron Bancroft uh, rather than Marcus Harris. Joe Burns is also in their squad, but uh, Marcus Harris didn't play well in the warm-up game or a pre-test game and hasn't made too many runs so far. Bancroft has made some, so probably some rejigging at the top of the Australian order again. Um, the big story, of course, will be how Steve Smith back in, uh, in Australian territory for the first time playing Test cricket since the, the Sandpaper Gate, obviously, how he goes against a, a very interesting uh, variety of Pakistan quick bowlers. I mean, they have this ability, like Yorkshire used to, to sort of whistle, whistle down into a village and come up with another quick bowler. And they've got uh, 
a combination which will probably be Mohamed Abbas. Now he's someone who's got the one of the lowest strike rates, wicket wise, wicket taking wise in in Test history. Uh, very very accurate, just nips the ball around off the seam. Uh, a batsman's nightmare. He may have more trouble getting the Kookaburra ball to move than he did the Dukes, but still he's a fine bowler. And then they've got uh, probably uh, Shaheen Afridi. Uh, who's, of course, the, the left-arm quick bowler who angles the ball across and, and has a lot of pace. And then two really young players that, that might play, Mohamed Musa and Nazim Shah, who are sort of 16 and 18. Uh, so a very interesting challenge for Steve Smith. And interesting, I mean, obviously, he'll be at home in his own conditions after the, the outstanding Ashes series he had as well. But uh, Mizbal Hack, far from... Uh, coming up with uh, you know eighteen plans for Steve Smith, uh, he's now chairman of selectors by the way for Pakistan. He's saying just stick to the top, trying to hit the top of off stump. Uh, that's Steve Smith's blind spot. He's calling it. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Yeah, yeah. We we watched some of the um, Australia A Pakistan match out here when we were in, in Farang. It was Fangarai. It was on in the bar in the evening, and yeah, they did really well. Pakistan. It was a, it was only a three day game, <clears throat> and the Australian A team were blown away in their first innings. You just feel Australia in their own conditions. The Gabba, the Gabbatoir might be too strong for Pakistan, but it'd be, it'd be fantastic, fascinating to see how that that those young quick bowlers go against that Australian batting line you just feel in their own conditions that Australia will have the, the measure of Pakistan and of course the other thing as well is they have got a very good attack as well as we saw in, in the summer in England Australia got an ec- excellent attack Barbara Zam for Pakistan a class player Ricky Ponting talking about his excitement seeing him come up against the Australian bowling uh, yeah they're going to have to get some runs aren't they but um, the, the thing about Australia's batting line it is pretty thin it's, it's one of the th- thinnest Australian batting lineups I think I, I can ever remember but they do have Steve Smith I mean with that proviso they do have Steve Smith and they do have David Warner in Australia who in Australia is a, is a fa- fantastic player of course the other thing is when he looks up and sees a, a new ball bowl at the other end with that cooker ball in his hand it won't be Stuart Broad <laughs> running into bowl to him it'll be, <laughs> it'll be someone else yes quite I think the key for, for Pakistan actually will be hostility and discipline uh, because that's what the Australians are so good at is they've managed to find a combination with Hazelwood Cummins uh, particularly uh, where they're hostile and accurate so the batsmen never get away but they also have the ability to produce the old humdinger deliveries you know the chin music they can produce as well so uh, that's what the Pakistanis will probably need to, to emulate and also these guys will learn massively quickly from watching the way that say Cummings and Hazelwood bowl just the, the, the discipline they have the may they just keep banging away at that awkward length that rises up waist high just a bit higher perhaps and look to try and clip the top of the bales sort of three four out of six and then the odd one just a, a little bit higher it's superb attritional bowling uh, which has been the core, was the core of, of how they retain the ashes in the end. Marnus Labuschagne uh, will, prob- will will be in the Australian side. He looks like a, a, a Steve Smith clone almost, and did a, did pretty well in the Ashes actually. So I, I think he's going to be po- potentially representing the core of Australian batting in the future. 
So it's their opening sort of area that, that still seems vulnerable. But if they can find... Well, Warner, if Warner can re- rediscover his form and if they can find somebody to, to partner him consistently, then that Australian side, with the, with the bowling strength, they've got Nathan Lyon, of course, as well, uh, is looking decent. How, how long Tim Payne will remain as captain? Well, that'll be the other thing. Can someone like Alex Carey force his way in? Uh, his keeping's not great, but uh, he's, he's clearly good with the bat. So, I, I don't know, in a way, this series and the one following against New Zealand will sort of rather define Tim Payne's future. Yeah, the New Zealanders are very excited about their test series coming up. I have a sense they're more excited about that than playing against England. They get to play the Boxing Day test at the MCG, which is, a, you know, a huge thing for them. And what, what, a, what a summer for them facing the, the three big cricketing nations I suppose England Australia and India it, it, you're right about the test championship it, it is odd that England and, not, and New Zealand not playing for test championship points I, th- I think it's to do with the number of series each team is expected to play three home three away and th- this series is England already have their allocation of, of three away series, so that's why this isn't included. It's a, it's a bit odd, um, but I, I don't think it necessarily takes away uh, from the interest in, in the first test match in, in Mount Morgan. A, it's it, the first game to be played here. Uh, B, England are sort of reshaping their side. You know, we've talked about Sibley, we talked about Curran's entrance into the side. You know, they've still got the likes of Stokes and Archer, who are just such box office players, and, and Joe Root as well, down to number four. Can he make a success of that? So, the, you know, there's, a, there's still a tremendous amount riding on. I'm sure the players don't think, oh, it's, it's not part of the Test Championship, therefore it's a sort of Test match sort of below the, the level, if you, if you see what I mean. But, but clearly for, for New Zealand, you know, they've got Australia to come, and... Uh, that Australia-Pakistan series, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on it because after seeing how Pakistan turned up in that warm-up game against Australia, A, where, where they dominated them, you just wonder, you know, can they do that to the, the main Australian side? But Australia at home, they are they are so tough, as as, as many, many touring teams have, have found over the years. And you know, you'd, you'd also probably back Australia's batsmen to get it right at home as well. Certainly, Certainly Warner... And, and Smith and, and Labuschagne, whereas when they go abroad, as, as we saw in, in England in the summer, then they're, they're just a bit vulnerable. And actually, if you talk about Australia's uh, problem in their batting, it's sort of similar to England, isn't it, really? The top order. They've got Smith rock solid there at number four. Um, they, they've got a problem with their opening spot. Well, two opening spots, as it was in the Ashes, because Warner didn't get a run, but you'd expect him to solve that problem in the next few months. Well, there's a worldwide inability to be able to see off the, the red new ball, isn't there? And people are just not prepared to, to play the waiting game. It'll be interesting to see if uh, the answer for England is Rory Burns and Dominic Sibley. We'll report back those two test matches. Simon in New Zealand, I'll be covering the Australia-Pakistan game. And before we go, by the way, just time to tell you about the new issue of The Cricketer. I've got it in my hand here, actually. It's a December issue, and it's got on the front cover a glorious picture of street kids playing cricket in Papua New Guinea, uh, which is reflective of our title, our, our focus this month, the new global game, which is all about the way that cricket has penetrated all far corners of the world, largely through T20, really refreshing 
the parts that quite a lot of other sports can't reach and it truly has become the global game. Now there's a special offer on the cricketer. The subscription is £44 but with that you get either a £20 John Lewis gift voucher or a free copy of Alistair Cook's autobiography. So effectively your subscription for a year is only costing 20 odd quid and that can be found at www.thecricketer.com forward slash Christmas. So go to that website, subscribe to The Cricketer and you get really a pretty good deal. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll speak to you during the week. Sports Social Podcast Network.